what was I going to say? I was going to say something. I don't know because I still can't read your mind as much as I, I try. I know. I know. You got to work on that harder. I do. In all your spare time. <laughs> It'd be easier if we were in the same room, maybe? Maybe. Somehow? Maybe. I don't know. We're kind of far apart That's right now. true. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Oh, ooh, let me turn my volume down. Hello. <laughs> Sorry, I was also leaning forward <laughs> when you came in. I didn't mean to, like, shout right into the microphone. That's okay. I usually also turn the volume down before I get on this. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a good idea because you never know when I'm going to be face into the microphone. That's true. Mm-hmm. You uh, just you know becoming closer one with your microphone. Is that what's happening over there? Indeed, it is. Oh. I am becoming one with my microphone. Yes. I'm going to talk like this for the entire episode. Oh my god! I'm gonna leave because <laughs> just me and my pop filter sitting no. over here. Mm-mm. That's like <laughs> making my skin crawl. <laughs> in that case i'm definitely doing more i'm gonna it. i'm gonna take my headphones off and just assume <laughs> when you're done talking and then do my part and then be silent for a little while and hope for the best <laughs> fine <laughs> i like that your username is tossed salad and scrambled brain yeah thank you what brings that about today well i've been watching a lot of fraser and Excellent. I'm very tired and my brain feels fried. That's so. fair. I understand that feeling. How are you doing? I'm also very tired. I have just been doing stuff nonstop. It's been a busy day. Woo! In my never-ending quest to do more things than I can possibly manage doing, I made three paintings to put in an art show, and so then I had to go and drop them off at the art gallery this morning. And then... I edited podcast and then I did a bunch of work stuff and then I went to work also and then also I've got I'm doing the uh, NaNoWriMo oh, yeah, yeah. thing this month so I have my words that I still have to do for the day on top of that and also I'm doing a dog jog thing that I think I've told you about before but I don't know if I mentioned it on here before but basically I have to log 150 miles with my cocoa bug between the beginning of September and the beginning of December and I've got 50 miles to go so So I got my miles in for the day and it's it's been busy I'm busy all the time and I do it to myself and here we are. Yeah. But at least I am almost done at the brewery. This is my last week at the brewery, so that'll be one less thing to worry about. Oh, great. That's so good. Yeah. And then several other things are going to be done, uh, you know, within the next few weeks when the when the month is over. Yeah. So it'll be fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And then it's all the fine. End... And then I'll be moving. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> that will be totally relaxing. Oh, no yeah. problems there. Yeah. Nope. Absolutely. <laughs> be great. Be fantastic. Who doesn't love moving? Oh, yeah. It's the best. Mm-hmm. Where's your art show? West Hartford Art League. Nice. Which I'm fine with mentioning the name of because I don't live there. <laughs> People can go f- try to find your, your works and find your name. Absolutely. They can. You can even buy it if you really want to. You should buy Mary's art. 
<laughs> I don't think you can even buy it online, ah. so probably nobody could buy it unless they happen to be here in Connecticut. You should commission Mary to do art for you because she has a lot of <laughs> that... free time, as you can hear. I do have a ton yeah. of free time. You could commission me if you wanted, I suppose. <laughs> I haven't had a commission in... I don't even remember the last time I had a commission. It's been a very long time. Or you can... Um be friends with her for a long time eventually you'll you'll occasionally you'll get some art it happens that's also true yes that is also true i haven't given you any free art in a long time no although the other day i came across i was oh i know you gave me like a little sketchbook a while ago and i opened it because i haven't used it and you have a (laughs) self-portrait on the first page of that Oh, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I've only ever done a very few self-portraits, so I must have had to do that for an art class <laughs> at some point, because that's the only way that I would ever do a self-portrait is if I had to. <laughs> well, there it is. Somewhere yeah. I've got a uh, Han Solo drawing floating around oh, and right. uh, yep. a very lovely menu from the restaurant Friendlies <laughs> that Mary... <laughs> added her special touch to back in the 90s i did yeah when you could get (laughs) i can't believe you still oh yeah it's framed it's not currently (laughs) up but (laughs) i love that you framed it it's awesome if you want any more uh i would be happy to get rid of some stuff (laughs) when i'm moving so if you'd like to raid my art room you can help yourself to more art (laughs) i was just gonna say that was back when you could get what like two eggs two bacon two sausage two toasts for like two dollars and 22 cents at friendlies yeah that's crazy <laughs> i think you'd spend like 20 dollars getting that yeah. now at the diner down the street <laughs> speaking of things that are friendly or unfriendly actually i don't know are we ready there <laughs> sure nope who's not friendly is jack towards the russians no, he's not <laughs> Jack doesn't play well with others. No, no, he doesn't. Especially when he doesn't get to make the decision on whether or not he has to play with others. <laughs> Very true. Very true. What is the episode we're talking about today in which Jack has to try to play nice with others? There we go. <laughs> yes. We made it. Perfect. <laughs> <We got> there. <laughs> it's Stargate SG-1 Season 5, Episode 8, The Tomb. 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 As we often do, we open on a non-Earth world in which there are ruins. And to me, this particular ruin looked like, (laughs) I'm going to say, it's like somebody really fucked up doing the showstopper on Biscuit Week (laughs) during Great British Bake Off. That's a really fantastic analogy, and I do not disagree. (laughs) It was really bad. They burnt their gingerbread. (laughs) The icing just didn't hold. It's all coming down. I did make a note of how awful the CG was, but that's just... (laughs) Yeah. It's just amazing. (laughs) Yep, don't disagree. And at a particularly larger structure, the team is trying to get in, I guess to this place that Jack calls a pyramid. Speaking friend and entering isn't working. No, it's not. (laughs) Jack calls it a pyramid and Daniel corrects him because this is going to be an episode where both Jack and Daniel are being annoying and kind of asses. I actually didn't think Daniel was too bad this episode. I was amused by him. Well, (laughs) (laughs) there's just... 
there's a couple of moments and there's a couple of them right up front. They're at this entrance, they think, to this structure. Daniel is trying to read the writing that's there that he says is Babylonian cuneiform. That's incredible. And then he tells Jack when Jack asks about it, well, unlike Phoenician Ugarite cuneiform, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he was a little insufferable and- there. <laughs> Jack, of course, doesn't care, so he doesn't ask Daniel to explain. And the only reason I can think of for Daniel to even bring this up is to, like, show off for Jack. It was weird. Does it say how to open the pyramid? Ziggurat. Huh? You said pyramid. It's a uh, ziggurat. Have you figured out how to open that pyramid yet? Ziggurat. Might also bury us under a ton of ziggurat. What the hell is it? Ziggurat. I tried looking it up and I was like, well, this isn't really interesting to talk about. So I'm just going to move on. (laughs) Fair. I was wondering if you would look it up or not. I thought about it and then I didn't. I did. The Ugarite whatever cuneiform that they're talking about sounds, at least from what I was reading, like it's sort of a forebear of a modern alphabet. And Babylonian cuneiform is not. (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) Beyond that, it's a lot of, you know, trying to read Wikipedia about stuff you don't know anything about. Sometimes it's just like trying to read a language you can't read at all because it's just very technical. And then yeah. you're like, oh, they use this. Now I need to go look this up because I don't know what this meant. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So anyway. That's like reading any scientific paper. I've yeah. Ever <laughs> yeah. So it was uh, it was too much and it didn't seem worth it to me because I think Daniel just wanted to show off for some reason. Yeah. Because in the next moment, Jack asks if it says how to open the pyramid, and Daniel corrects him that it's a ziggurat. (laughs) And again, doesn't explain what that is. Jack, of course, doesn't care. Yes. Did you look that up? I did. Oh, okay. I was hoping you would, because I wanted to know, but then again, because I only only just watched it today, so I really did not have time to be looking anything extra up. The basic gist is that a pyramid, you know, has its flat sides and also has an Mm -hmm. interior, generally burial chambers, right? And Mm -hmm. ziggurats have sort of multiple levels, but the inside you can actually go into, usually they think... Because a lot of them don't exist anymore. They're in worse shape than the pyramids that they would have a temple on top and you could maybe go into that temple. So I feel like that's what they're trying to go yeah. into is some kind of temple. Oh, I see. So in that power washing simulator game that I <laughs> am still obsessed with, even though I've you know reached the end and haven't played it in forever, <laughs> what I called an alien pyramid at the end, by your definition then, would have actually been an alien ziggurat that we were power washing at the end. <laughs> It was such a great game. It's very important to get that right. (laughs) I think I want to play it again. You should. (laughs) In all of your copious spare time. Yeah. I've got so much free time right now. I can't complain, though, because in January, I actually will not have a whole lot to do, and it'll be fantastic. (laughs) That'll be nice. I am looking forward to the week between Christmas and New Year, because I don't have to work that week. That's the week we're doing most of our moving, so that will be a busy week. But then the week after that, the week after that, I got my eye on the prize for that one. Hells yeah. Then I'll just be playing video games like all week and it'll be great. Sounds perfect. And maybe unpacking stuff, but probably just playing video games. Anyway, (sighs) Daniel can't figure this out from here. He needs to go back home and find some references. This is more complicated than... Jack was hoping for. 
Daniel explains that it's a dead language and he says, I doubt if anyone stood here for 3,000 years. Sam's like, well, actually. And she pulls out (laughs) an empty pack of cigarettes from the ground. That is not a thing probably that would have been there for 3,000 years. Not likely. Indeed, no. Also, they're Russian cigarettes. What? This was a really short open because even though with all our tangents, it took a long time to explain it. It was all of about a minute, if that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is way shorter than the normal cold opens that we get. Yeah. After the credits, they're back on the base talking about the failed Russian Stargate program that was only up for about 37 days. They have a log of the planets that the Russians visited, but P2X338 as this one apparently was, was not on that list. So Tilk says that maybe the Russians deceived them. But Hammond says, well, they've gotten an update that there may have been some unauthorized use of the gate, aside from the official trips that they knew about. So great. Jack wants to know what that means, understandably. So Hammond gives them, I guess you'd call it a a dossier of a bunch of Russian military people who had gone off-world and disappeared about six days before they were then called in to deactivate the gate with Deanna Troy, way back whenever that was. They haven't been seen since then. Apparently, they also had an archaeologist with them named Alexander Britsky, which I just thought... I don't know why. I thought that was just such a weird name. <laughs> it does seem weird. Just like... Britsky's. Like a weird nickname for a British person? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's all I could think of. It was just weird to me. But apparently the guy was an expert on the ancient Mesopotamians. So, of course, then that put the song in my head. (laughs) Oh, God. Yes. My it was in my head throughout this whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. I was waiting for them to like. Say Ashurbanipal or something like that. But they didn't. Sargon Hammurabi, Ashurbanipal, and Gilgamesh. Exactly. <laughs> it was not about these Mesopotamians, though. It was not. Jack asks why they would go behind Sokolov's back. I guess Sokolov is the guy that was leading the program. And Tilk's like, well, maybe for the same reason the NID people did. They wanted to get some technology at any cost. Sam asked why 338 as opposed to any other planet. I thought that was a kind of weird question because it could have just been random chance. Like, why any of the planets that they go to? But Yeah, true. I don't know. I guess they're figuring that there was a specific reason for it. Daniel's like, what if they're still out there? Just because they disappeared doesn't mean that they're actually gone because the gate was shut down. They might not have had any way to get back once the Russians program was shut down. Sam is a bit skeptical that they could have survived that long because the planet apparently gets up to 135 degrees Fahrenheit in the shade. So that's terrible. It is. And Jack's like, I don't remember any shade. (laughs) I say that's terrible, but we are well on our way to that. So yay. They weren't sweaty enough in this episode to make me believe that. But anyway. I didn't get the impression that when she was saying that it averages 135 in the shade, I was thinking maybe they were there early morning or late at night or sometime outside of the high heat of the day i don't know but you're right because they did not look as sweaty as they should have been for especially like running around in a stuffy uh ziggurat later right maybe it was a a well ventilated for all we know in the maze-like passageways that were this ziggurat there could have been a nice place right yeah magic wind tunnels yeah 
Jack starts making fun of Daniel again for his inability to open the door. And Daniel's like, I'll figure out the door. Tilk wants to know why the Russians would not have returned by now. Sam says that maybe it's not because they couldn't necessarily, but because they would have exposed their operation if they had tried to come back through the SGC gate once the Russian one had shut down, I guess. Or maybe they're waiting for a signal or something. They're basically just grasping at straws, trying to figure out why the Russian team went there and why they didn't come back. And that's when Hammond tells them that, well, we're going to go there on a joint mission to try to figure that out. Full disclosure, full cooperation. It's going to be great. We're going to have fun. Jack is not pleased because, like we said before, he does not play well with others. But Hammond says that the Russians have been pushing for more direct involvement in the Stargate program, which you really can't blame them for. That's not unreasonable. I don't know. I was kind of debating on, like, whether or not this would be a good idea or not. Because, I mean, like, look at the space stations. The U.S. and Russia work really closely together and very well together, despite any political issues. That's put aside for the good of mankind and for the purposes of science. But I guess you have the added threat of potential weapons here when you're talking about the Stargate. So I was like, well, would this be a natural progression of what we've got going on in space? Or would the fact that there could be weapons out there complicate things? I don't know, but... I guess probably the latter. Involving other nations in the Stargate program would make this show really boring because nobody would get to go on (laughs) missions because everyone would just debate and veto one another on shit. Yeah, you're probably right. Slash start wars over it, probably, and demand yeah. to be moved around from country to country or something so they're on some kind of timeshare system i'm just making things yep. up all that all that though you're not wrong it would be a boring tv show i think you're probably right is that what happened in stargate universe i don't know maybe that's why that one was so boring no <laughs> i don't actually remember all that much of stargate universe it's been I mean, so long since i've and seen it atlantis i not to spoil things but spoiling things atlantis is much more <laughs> of a joint global cooperation type of mission yeah but oh yeah that's true i forgot about that at some point more people are involved long story short jack continues to protest for once he does not get his way and hammond tells him the decision's already been made and the russians are already on their way there poor jack yeah it's really hard to not get your way when you're used to always getting your way it really really is later sam and jack go see Daniel in his office. Jack is still complaining about having to deal with the Russians. He apparently thinks that they won't watch his six if they go through the gate. Daniel, of course, is like, actually, in Russians, that'd be your chest or whatever. Because this is going to be an episode of Daniel just spouting out shit he knows because I don't know. I actually thought that was funny. I thought really it was funny. funny. I, don't know I mean, why. I thought it was funny. It's just weird to me that he's doing this. And especially, yeah. I mean, Jack does not care. Like, that's not a thing no. Jack cares about. So I feel like he's just doing it to annoy Jack. Yes. <laughs> Jack's already annoyed. I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't need to be annoyed no. more. Yeah. Jack is only concerned with whether Daniel has figured out how to open the pyramid. Which Daniel again corrects to Ziggurat because <laughs> it does make a huge difference. He's gotten the entire report that Dr. Britsky gave. He says, uh, somehow, where, wherever this report was, apparently it wasn't in the information they'd already gotten, whatever. Yeah. They learn from this report that this temple is dedicated to the Babylonian guard Marduk. Marduk 
according to the Wikipedia, is the god of Babylon, Ooh. creation, water, agriculture, justice, medicine, and magic. Ooh, he was very busy, but also sounds like he was fun at parties. Exactly. He was always doing tricks. Like, yeah. fun story, Marduk is the one who killed Tiamat, who we figured out in Fire and Water was probably Omaroka. Oh, no yeah. way. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. This sounds familiar. <laughs> wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. There's a tie, but not because Daniel makes no connection here at all. No, he doesn't mention that at all. I wonder if they were running long this time and it got cut, whereas normally they're running too short. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, because it seemed interesting to me. Daniel in that episode remembered what's his face. The fish guy was yeah. torturing him, basically. He finally remembered right. that Omaroka had been slayed by Marduk, who was a gold. Right. So he should have known that already, but... <laughs> mm. Yeah. Anyway. Weird. Daniel's like, yes, it seems likely that Marduk was a gold. Yes. Yes, it does, Daniel. <laughs> yes, you already yes. told us that, apparently. <laughs> to be fair to Daniel, that was how many years ago? But he seems to, like... five Yeah. He seems to like to know things and impart that knowledge, so I feel like he should have held on to that. But... Right? That's okay. Then a phone call comes in, and the phone call is just to let them all know the Russians are coming, which they already knew was happening, <laughs> but I guess they're closer than ever. I guess... <laughs> In the briefing room, the Russians are there speaking Russian. The Russians are here! <laughs> it was interesting because there were no subtitles or anything, but I happened to have the closed captions on because it was a little bit noisy in my apartment because I was doing laundry. And the subtitles actually translated. Yeah, I saw that. Which is weird. They're talking about the coffee and how it's Ooh. bad. <laughs> and they had my sympathies because bad coffee is terrible and it tragic. Is. Hammond comes in with SG-1, and there's introductions all around. Zukov is going to be the leader of the Russian team. He's apparently also a colonel, and so, of course, there is going to be a lot of contention between him and Jack, because Jack wants to be in charge, but Zukov will periodically point out that they are of equal rank. Zukov mentions that they have a mutual friend. I was expecting them to mention Mayborn, but no, it was Svetlana Markov, a.k.a. Deanna Troy. So not a sarcastic mutual friend, an actual mutual friend. <laughs> yes, an actual mutual friend, because Deanna Troy, Svetlana Markov got along very well with SG-1, and they helped yeah. her out, and she was grateful for that. So Zukov says that she spoke very highly of everybody on SG-1. This was just like a weird throwaway line in the conversation but i thought it was weird that hammond suggested that they maybe rest or get something to eat and zukov said that they already took the precaution of eating before they came <laughs> and then a random underling is like what he means is we've already eaten and would like to get to work <laughs> why why are you taking the liberty of speaking for your superior officer and contradicting what he actually just I said or not really contradicting but adding but i didn't think about that angle that's really funny because <laughs> the guy's the this is valorant and he was a major and so <laughs> he cut off the colonel to say what he really means is and yeah it's just bizarre they get started with daniel's presentation about dr britsky and his excavation of a place called rafa in southern iraq he found a lot of engraved tablets there that had Babylonian cuneiform on them and some symbols that he didn't recognize. But 
everybody on SG-1, of course, recognized them because one of them was clearly the Earth symbol on the gate. This set of coordinates that Britsky didn't recognize is clearly supposed to be some kind of gate coordinates. Specifically, those were the coordinates for P2X338, which is the planet that they're guessing the team went to and then disappeared on and that has the ziggurat on it. Jack says, yeah, well, they didn't even have a Stargate back then. And Daniel's like, no, but they had a DHD. So they knew it was somehow tied to the gate when they found the gate that went to the DHD. (laughs) Jack wants to know why they wouldn't have just sent a regular team, whatever that means. One that is on the books, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess. That doesn't really get answered. Hammond just wants to keep the conversation going. So he asks if Britsky ever discovered anything that would suggest anything important was on that planet. And Daniel says that there's a reference to something called the Eye of Tiamat, who I guess was Omaroka. Yeah, that was Omaroka. According to what you just said. So that's cool. But again, not a tie that they make. It has a large jewel of some kind, and it endowed Marduk with great magical abilities. I would have loved to know what those abilities were, and that is a thing we never get from this episode, and I was disappointed by that. Is that what gave Marduk his god of magic uh, title? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Once he stole it from Omaroka and murdered her? Right. Who knows? Could be. (laughs) Jack figures that that's why the Russians wanted to keep it quiet, because they wanted this Eye of Tiamat thing for themselves, but Zukov reminds Jack that you've had this whole gate program that you've been keeping a secret to yourselves, so can't really judge us for that. Jack's like, yeah, but that was before we had an agreement to share things. (laughs) Doesn't make it better. (laughs) They go back and forth a bit with bickering. Hammond tries to keep them on topic. So they go back to the subject of the entrance and whether or not they can get through the door that Daniel was trying to get into before. And he thinks that, yes, he's figured out it's actually some kind of a code. He likens it to a big combination lock. And he just needs to put the correct symbols in the correct order. Okay. Hammond is sure that he can do that and tells them they have a go. Jack looked shocked, and I didn't understand why Jack looked so surprised. Oh. <laughs> but he was. <laughs> Just hoping it's all a nightmare that he can wake up from. I but guess. no, he's got to share. Share his toys. Sharing is the worst. It really is. <sighs> I didn't recognize pretty much any of the actors in this who were not part mm-hmm. of it. I did recognize the lady member of the Russian team whose name I don't know. I didn't look it up because I'm a monster. I was too busy reading about Marduk. (laughs) This is going to be another one where I'm like, Mary, you should watch more Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) Because she has a recurring role on there. I've watched a bit. That has nothing to do with anything. I was just like, I recognize (laughs) this lady. I recently watched some of Battlestar Galactica. and It's in my head now. Anyway. I'll probably try it at some point when I get finished watching Sister Wives, which I don't even know why I'm watching that. Don't judge me, all of you out there judging me for it. Are there even explosions in Sister Wives? Because I can tell you there are a ton in Battlestar Galactica. <sighs> no, there are no explosions. And honestly, I fast forward through the majority of the episodes because I get bored. <laughs> I don't know why I'm still watching it. <laughs> Just morbid curiosity, I guess. Nothing wrong with that morbid curiosity. Right. Later, everybody's prepped to go on this mission. Jack and Zukov uh, have a little chat about their guns. It's not really an interesting scene, but I (laughs) really noticed this because Jack 
hands the P90 to Zukov to have a look at. And the flashlight on the front turns on while Zukov is holding it. (laughs) And then he just gives it back to Jack with no notice. And I was like, that seems like a mistake, but that's really funny. Yeah. Jack and Zukov arrive in the gate room. The gate opens. SG three quarters, but minus Jack goes through. Russia three quarters then goes through. (laughs) Zukov says something to them in Russian, like stay close and, you know, maintain contact. Normal things I feel like he would say to people. Jack's like, what the hell is that about? Yeah. (laughs) And then Zukov's like, I was just wishing them luck because they're both jerks. Yeah. Jack's like, look, man, I'm in charge here. Zukov's like, this is a joint operation. We're the same rank. And Jack's like, well, chain of command, baby. I'm the chain of command or something. You know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in rut and command here. I feel like this is something they should have sorted out before they're walking through the gate. Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> anyway. You would think also that it wouldn't be up to the two of them to work out, but that one of the higher ups would have told them who was going to be highest in the chain of command. For sure. <laughs> but no. No. Anyway, they go through. Everyone yep. heads to the planet. <laughs> I did like that Hammond said, Colonel, is there a problem? And the implication was kind of that he was supposed to be addressing Jack, but Zukov answered. <laughs> <laughs> well, they both yeah. answered, really, but I thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah, agreed. <laughs> yep. They head to the planet. Whoa. They do. On the planet, Daniel is once again trying to figure out the entrance to the ziggurat. He's reading some notes from his notebook. Apparently they've already been there for like an hour and he still hasn't gotten it figured out yet. Just like in the movie, he said he could do a thing, but then got there and was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not so sure. <laughs> then he finally realizes that the pictures are meant to represent what he says is a standard retelling of the Babylonian creation myth. Marduk slays the winged serpent, Tiamat, cuts her in two, and then uses half of her to create the sky and the other half to create the earth. The reason that that's important is because it's in the wrong order and that only a priest of Marduk would have been able to spot those discrepancies. So that must have something to do with how they get in. He pushes on a bunch of stones and the door opens. I was confused about how it could be only the priests and Daniel know this. Right. (laughs) You would think that people who followed that religion would also know their own creation myth. Yeah, that was that was kind of weird. He was right, though. That's part of the Babylonian cremation cremation creation myth. (laughs) Enuma Elish, I think it's called. Interesting. So that it sounds like that's pretty... He's on point there. Nice. They go inside. Sam says it doesn't seem very stable. There's a lot of dust and stuff falling from the ceiling. And Daniel's like, well, yeah, it's over 4,000 years old. Jack asks which way. And Daniel says, I don't know. <laughs> so they're going to split up, which is stupid, because never split up the party. But they split up. However, they send Tilk with the Russians. Jack says, for their protection. Yep. Lieutenant Marchenko is going to go with SG three quarters to fill them up to a full SG one. So they head out. Carter rounds a corner and we see a foot. And Jack asks that foot to identify yourself. They creep a little closer and realize that that foot is attached to a body that happens to be in bone shaped. (laughs) In bone shaped. (laughs) 
It is bones. It is a skeleton. There we go. I teach A and P, you guys. <laughs> it's been a really long day. I've done a lot of talking today. I hear you. I only got home ten minutes before I was. It's true. <laughs> My brain is tired. It's true. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. They disappeared 10 months ago. Daniel wants to know how one of their bodies could completely decompose that fast. I actually did look it up. And depending on the circumstances, it is possible that it could have just decomposed that fast. It depends on a lot of different factors like humidity levels and temperatures and stuff like that. But it would have been possible even in a non-wet climate. Basically, the more moisture you have, the faster it's going to break down. But even in a drier climate, it could have been possible for it to break down this quickly but probably not that likely but anyway they notice that there are teeth marks on it which gives a much better explanation of why it's just bones because it's not straight up decomposition this guy was eaten at by something that stripped the flesh right from his bones as sam says look at the bones that was disturbing and at this point i was like yeah the way that she worded it was i was like you guys should get out of there right now yes Yes. I wanted to know why the thing left the clothes mostly intact. I don't know. <laughs> there were like some holes in it, but the clothes were still mostly yeah, so there. Yeah, so they ate the body under the clothing instead of just ripping the clothing? <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> not to get too spoilery, but later when we see the thing that was doing the eating, it's <laughs> not like huge, but it's, it's like tiny either. You know, bigger than cat yeah. size, so not tiny. That would have been difficult to get inside those clothes and eat the person from yeah. inside their clothes. It's all so disturbing. Yep, it really is. <laughs> right after this, did you see that Marchenko says holy shit in Russian? Oh, I forgot that. It actually says it in English on mine. but it, Yeah, he said it in Russian, but yeah. I was looking at the screen and it was the English yeah. caption was there. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then Daniel, because he speaks like a million languages, of course, knew what he said and said, you can say that again. (laughs) I thought that was just so funny. I agree. And I thought so, too. And then I totally forgot about it. (laughs) But yeah, that was funny. Meanwhile, we get a quick shot of Zhukov's group. They have found a room with a sarcophagus. Tilk says it appears to be a sarcophagus. (laughs) Thank you, Tilk. Back with team sg mostly (laughs) (laughs) yeah there we go marchenko is covering the body jack radios zukov to let him know one of the guys is dead and they should exercise extreme caution in turn zukov is kind enough to inform jack they did find a sarcophagus (laughs) he says they're going to investigate jack's like no i'm totally in command don't do that till we get there but Zukov has other things in mind, I'm sure. So Jack's like, God damn it. We got to go back. He doesn't say that exactly. He says, damn it, fall back. Because he's Jack yeah. and cooler than me. <laughs> Jack is cooler it's than everybody. True. Though, just you. <laughs> back with the sarcophagus. Tilk is pretty upset with Zukov for disobeying a direct order, which seemed a little weird to me because, again, they're the same rank, so... Can Jack really give him direct orders? They didn't really clarify which one of them was going to be higher up. When Zukov goes up to the sarcophagus, they give us a close-up of his foot as he steps up on a platform, and it turns out that it was a big booby trap. 
and there's a whole ton of noise, and then there's a whole bunch of stones collapsing in from the ceiling. Goddamn, guys. Yep. They all run towards the entrance. One guy, Marchenko, apparently, decided to try to be a hero and hold together the tons and tons of stone that made up the upper door that was lowering. Needless to say, that didn't work so well for him. No! He was comically crushed. Yeah, so we got a gruesome yet comical scene (laughs) of him slowly being crushed by the giant stone that he somehow thought he could lift. I rewatched it because I was like, he could have gotten out. What was he doing? He totally could have because he was trying to hold it up. Yeah, he totally could have gotten out. But to me, it looked like he was trying to hold it up, which was stupid. Bad move, man. Bad move. Right? Now everybody that's not dead (laughs) is stuck inside. (laughs) They go back to the sarcophagus. They can't re-trip the trap that Zukov set off, so I guess that's good. Jack's <laughs> mad that Zukov did that, but Zukov's like, eh, somebody would have set off that trap anyway. Jackson sensed because Borchenko got crushed, and he's like, that makes commanders upset where I come from. <laughs> okay. Zukov's like, mm, casualties are to be expected. So. Yikes. That's pretty callous. It is, but at the same time, I feel like there could be times where Jack took that same stance. Not for people on his own team, but for people on other teams that were working with them, then yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Anyway, (laughs) Sam brings them back to the matter at hand, which is we need to get out of here. Daniel says, maybe we should open the sarcophagus and make sure that no one's home. But (laughs) good call. Maybe. Sam makes note that someone tried to seal the sarcophagus from the outside, which is a new one for Tilk. Daniel says that Kerensky's team must have tried to cut it open with a blowtorch. Jack tells them to open it up, and Daniel's like, there's no button. (laughs) Jack then takes a knife and sticks it between the two parts that would split apart if you pushed a button to open it, and they pry it open. That's a pretty sturdy knife. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would think that that would bend or break most blades to be using yeah. it to pry apart giant stone slabs. Yeah. But somehow it doesn't. But it worked. Yep. Jack's magic knife opens it enough for them to stick their fingers in and pull it apart. Yep. And they're prepared for, you know, anything except for apparently another skeleton. This gold looks dead. Teal'c thinks, oh, maybe the sarcophagus malfunctioned. But Sam's like, "Mm, actually, I have more bad news. It looks like this person also got eaten the same way that the Russian in the passageway did. Which is disturbing. And gets more disturbing when they talk about it later. Oh, sure does. (laughs) Jack's like, how to get in there? And Daniel says, better question, where is it now? Which is a great question. (laughs) That is an excellent question, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This episode reminded me very much of the Strange New Worlds episode with the Gorn, and then also a lot of it reminded me of the Mummy movie. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I need to rewatch Strange New Worlds. I enjoyed it, but I don't remember enough of it. Out in the hallway, the camera pans over to a cocoon high up on a wall, 
And there's a thing moving in it, so that's a little disturbing. And then the thing rips open and a leg sticks out. Also disturbing. Back in the sarcophagus room, Sam says that they have a problem. And Jack's basically like, yeah, we've got a lot of those. Can you (laughs) be more specific? (laughs) Sam says they can stretch out their food rations, but they've only got enough water for five days. And Jack's like, yeah, well, it doesn't matter. We're not going to be here that long. One of the... Russians wants to use all of the explosives to blow a hole in the entrance, which Jack says would cause the entire ziggurat to collapse on them. That's a valid concern. Zukov actually backs Jack up on that one and says it's not time for such desperate measures just yet. Jack wants to know if there could be any kind of a back door, but Daniel says no. He asks Daniel for more information about the final fate of Marduk. And this is the part that reminded me of the mummy because Daniel <laughs> yes. says that because Marduk was such an evil tyrant, his own priests rebelled against him and sealed him in the sarcophagus and placed something in there with him. And he says there's no direct translation for the word, but he's assuming it's a reference to the creature that ate him. The guy who was eaten alive, which is disturbing and then it's just made even more disturbing because daniel goes on to say the sarcophagus would have done its best to continually keep him alive so it would have taken (laughs) taken a while they don't actually mention it but i think it's made all the more disturbing by the fact that again this is kind of getting ahead of things here but the globals abandoned the host so the host would have gone back to being awake and conscious to just die in this horrible horrible way yeah it's so so it makes it even so worse many level, well, levels of horrifying there's no depth yeah. to the yeah. horror of this yep yeah. yep yeah. it's very true and as jack says that's officially the worst way to go and i very yeah. much agree with jack yeah. i think on that that yeah yeah Tilk says it seems his fate was well-deserved, but again, that's assuming that the hagfish stayed in the host. But if the hagfish left the host, and it's just the host consciousness there, that's not well-deserved at all. Unless, I guess, the host was also a terrible person. Let's go with that. I hope so, because... Yeah, let's go with that. The host was a garbage person. They were enslaving Shaka's people on some planet when this hagfish entered and made them extra terrible. There we go. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. We're going to go with that. Yep. Okay. Headcanon confirmed. Yeah. Firmly ingrained in there. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Unas. That's the word. I was like, why can't I remember the name of it? Shaka's people. <laughs> Brain. So broken. Yeah. Yep. They determine that when the last Russian team that came to the planet opened the sarcophagus, they must have let out the thing that killed them. And Zukov points out, all right, cool. Well, we've only found one body. Where's everybody else? They're going to have to search the ziggurat to figure out what happened to the rest of the people on that team. Daniel's going to stay to continue working on the translation, and everybody else splits up and heads off in different directions. They start doing that. They stuck the ladies together, which I thought was weird, but here we are. Yeah. The two ladies make their way down some passage. (laughs) Sam discovers the aforementioned cocoon. But instead of legs sticking out, there's nothing inside. Uh-oh. Yeah. Then we get another... I feel like we're getting a little bit too many of these views from other perspective <laughs> moments. Yeah. They really like doing that on this show. Yeah. We get a little... <laughs> a lot. Yeah, so we get a little creature vision staring yep. at 
Sam and the yep. Russian lady. It's the kind that's got the multiple eyes yeah. type of perspective, like little hexagonal lenses to tell us it's a non-human perspective. Also, the fact that it's from up above is probably yeah. a pretty good indicator it's not human. They heard something, maybe, but they're not sure. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zukov and Tilk discover another body. It's Britsky, the archaeologist. Tilk radios Jack to let him know that they found Britsky and all of his equipment and personal items. Jack orders them to take the personal log of Britsky back to Daniel. We also get a shot of Zukov finding the Eye of Tiamat, which just seems to be like a very large medallion type thing with maybe a jewel yeah. in the middle. But he doesn't let Teal'c know he found that. He just pockets it. Yeah, it doesn't really pocket Not it because it's huge. That's... But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he just hides it away in his clothes yeah. somewhere. Back with Tolanoff and Carter. They're trying to find the source of the noise. And then all of a sudden, a creature attacks from out of nowhere. Down the hallway, everybody else hears gunfire. Jack asks Daniel to report. Daniel says, it's not me. <laughs> Jack radios to Sam, asking what's going on over there. And of course, there's no answer, because they're a little busy at the moment. There's more gunfire. Eventually, we see that Tolanoff is down on the ground, and Sam is continuing to fire at the thing that we can't really see anymore it's kind of run off and gone hiding i guess jack comes up and she says that she's all right the creature attacked them things are not going very well for Tolanoff. she's going into shock and so they're going to take her back to the main chamber where daniel is doing his translating work i like that jack specifically told tilk to take her back there <laughs> yeah he's the biggest and presumably the strongest <laughs> This is where we find out definitively that the host was not in that skeleton anymore. Sam says it's alive and it's vague what she means by that. Jack says we'll kill it. And Sam's like, no, I mean, I sense the presence of a gold in that thing. Whatever this alien creature thing is, it has the alien symbiote that had been in Marduk's body previously. I have questions about that. Yes. I feel like we've seen in special images that the SGC medical team show sometimes that a fully grown mm -hmm. hagfish really kind of wraps itself around like a person's brain and spinal yep. cord. It's not yep. a small thing when it's an adult hagfish. No. How did it fit inside that creature and keep it alive all this time? Yeah, that's a valid question because we said that it wasn't very small before, but it wasn't very big either. Yeah. When I said it's bigger than a cat, I meant like not a lot bigger than a cat, a little bigger than a cat, but not. It's like between Lily yeah. and Coconut. Because <laughs> everybody, everybody listening right now knows exactly <laughs> what that means. I mean, I know what that means. <laughs> and I agree with you in that assessment. Coconut weighs about 22 pounds and Lily weighs about 35 pounds. So it's approximately the size of like a 28 to 30 pound yeah, dog. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know a lot about the gold's origins, right? Like we know it's home planet and we know it used to yeah. infest the Unas and right. then the humans. It, but yeah. the humans and the Unas... Like, they're obviously different creatures, but they share some yeah. similarities. They're, like... Right. The, but, like, build-wise, they're similar in size, and they're both, like, 
I don't know what bipedal like people walking around yeah. and like this yeah, is exactly. not like that at all this creature. no this thing has like i don't know like six or eight legs and a really long neck and a tiny head so like how does it even fit its hagfish head or like anywhere close to this thing's brain yeah so i i don't know you don't get those answers obviously nope i mean the hagfish just might be highly adaptable and that's the answer could be, so. could be. maybe they can shrink in size maybe maybe they can adapt to fit yeah. Their container, meaning their person, their host. And if it's a smaller host, maybe they can decrease in size. Hmm. I mean, like, well, bacteria don't really do that. But bacteria can, like, throw out genetic information in times of hardship. They'll actually, like, expel some of their DNA in order to reduce their need for resources and to survive better in times huh. of hardship. So maybe this thing can do something kind of like that. And then other bacteria can come along and pick up those bits of DNA, and it's called lateral transfer, and it's fascinating. When I watch what I eat, I can shrink in size, too. (laughs) Yes, that's true. If I watch what I mean, I mean deliberately reduce the amount of food I'm eating. Probably not going to shrink your head or make yourself shorter, though. True. Like I was thinking this thing would have to be able to do. I would be worried if I shrunk in that way. That would be disturbing. (laughs) I don't think I'd want to hang out with you because you'd just be creepy on Candy Valley, Kathy. I'm creepy, but I'm like, I'm not, you know, being creepy Kathy is different than being yeah. just Kathy who is creepy. creepy. Uncanny Valley. Yeah. 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 You're not Uncanny Valley no. creepy. It's a different kind of creepy. The lady Russian Talanov is down, as previously mentioned by Mary, <laughs> and is unmoving. Seems like she's losing it real quick. Sam thinks that the whatever must have injected her with a venom and her body is shutting down. Can you tell that? Like, was she checking pulse? Like, how would you know her body is shutting down? Yeah, I don't know. When I think shutting down, I generally think like organs shutting down and you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell like all of them. But yeah, I would think you'd at least be able to know that pulse is kind of thready and person's probably going to be like a little bit more pale and their skin will be a little bit like cooler and clammier okay well she i mean she didn't look in good shape basic shock symptoms i'm guessing okay okay yeah sam gave her some epinephrine to try to mitigate the issue but they really just need to get her back home or else she's going to probably die they had gone back to the room with the sarcophagus i guess i didn't mention that they're not still just sitting there (laughs) in the hall no Daniel's there, therefore, and he chimes in that apparently a similar thing happened to the other Russian team because Dr. Britsky took all the time to record all this. Good man. Good job. Yeah. He confirms that the creature was in the sarcophagus and escaped, and then it first attacked Major Kerensky, who died within two hours of the attack. Dead before dessert. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) jack asks what happens to the rest of the team daniel says two people died in a collapse of a passageway and britsky in another horrific turn committed suicide in order to not be eaten by this creature yeah that's awful he took a cyanide pill according to valerian who Mm -hmm. says that all russian stargate personnel are equipped with those Zhukov is like, we have to get the hell out of here. Let's blow this shit up. 
But Jack's like, no, we're still looking around. Jack says that he's not going to risk anybody else's lives until they've exhausted all options. Daniel then shows them that Britsky also had the time to make a pretty detailed sketch of the IFT Amet. It's pretty good looking. It was. He was yeah, a good artist. Well done. Zukov denies finding anything like that anywhere. Daniel's like, well, then where is it? And the Laren is like, well, Colonel, surely recovering this is no longer a priority. And Jack's like, it never was. This was a rescue mission. Teal'c says, it would appear there is no one left to rescue. Because he's Teal'c, and I like to say his words. Daniel says, I wouldn't say that. He meant them, themselves. I think he was talking about they themselves yeah. were still okay. there to rescue. But yeah, I was thinking the same thing, because I was like, oh no, all the people that you were there to rescue are dead. But yeah, I think he was referring to rescuing themselves at this point. Time to save yourself. I'm guessing. Otherwise, that makes no yeah. sense. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Out in the passageway, Sam and Teal'c are exploring and looking for the creature thing they find some blood and continue heading after that trying to track the thing jack asks if its snake would be able to fix it and sam says it depends on how badly that it's injured in the sargaphagus room daniel asks how Tolanoff is doing and valerian says that her pulse is getting weak i was wondering why he was just sitting there shining a flashlight into her face <laughs> from about an inch away because that was that's weird. how you find someone's pulse <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> it sure isn't. <laughs> they hear a weird noise. Valorin gets up to go and check it out, and Daniel says, yes, go down the dark hallway alone. And I'll wait here in the dark room alone. <laughs> it amused me. Yeah. And we get another quick shot, too, of the creature's perspective. Oh, I forgot about that, yeah. Valorin, Valerian, whatever his name is. Yeah. Meanwhile, Zukov and Jack have found a dead end. Jack's like, well, I guess we should have considered taking that left. And Zukov reiterates, the only way out of here is to blow shit up. But Jack's like, it's going to kill us all. So they're having that same argument again. They're just back and forth sniping yep. at each other about their differences. Yep. It was an annoying scene, but I appreciated the artistic framing of it oh that was the one where they were like just the darkened silhouettes of them yeah yeah it was interesting because zukov was was shining his flashlight on the wall so they were actually backlit by the wall which was illuminated yeah by his flashlight of course and then we just saw the dark silhouettes of each of them as they were arguing so i wasn't even paying attention to what they were talking about because i just thought that the scene yeah looked cool. it was really <laughs> interesting to watch yeah. yeah so anyway they they are back and forth that's about that scene Right, which is why I spaced out and I was like, oh, wait, this is actually kind of a cool scene if you just ignore what they're saying. (laughs) That's about it for that scene. (laughs) Yep. Back with Sam and Tilk. Tilk sees a glow stick on the ground. Sam says that she feels like they've been in that passageway before and Tilk apparently recognizes that specific glow stick as one that he (laughs) drops. So, yeah, they've been there before. He's displeased to be able to confirm that. They're just wandering around in circles. Tilk suggests that they return. And then all of a sudden, one of those creatures drops down on Sam. Even though it didn't bite her, I don't know how this thing falling on her wouldn't have hurt her. Because, again, not huge, yeah, but not that small. No. Yeah. The thing is just laying on the ground and doesn't actually try to attack. It just fell and is laying there. Tilk severs its spine to take a look inside its neck to see if there's a hagfish at home. And nope, nobody home. That's 
probably not great because now there's a hagfish on the loose somewhere. Yeah. Jack and Zukov find yet another room to look at. There's a random pile of stuff in the middle of the room, but it's not important. So we never really figure out what it is because there's other things to worry about. But I was like, there's a random pile of stuff. Anyway, Sam radios to Jack to let her know the creature's dead and the hagfish is on the loose. Jack calls it disconcerting. A bit, to put it mildly. She, you know, reminds Jack that Teal'c can't sustain a symbiote while he has a larval gould. And that he's not sensing anything in Sam, so one of you other guys is the problem here. She doesn't list Tolanoff as a potential host. That's true. Which I thought was weird because, yeah, Tolanoff is... Sick, but we've also seen people that were taken over by a hagfish before pretend for quite a while True, to be in worse shape than they actually were. Yeah, so that is true. Yeah. I thought it was weird that they weren't at least yeah. considering that maybe she was faking it and actually yeah. had a hagfish. Maybe they think about it later, but Jack and Zukov are too busy being suspicious of one another. <laughs> they point their guns at one another and they're like, it's not me. And I know it's not me. Jack orders Sam back to the sarcophagus to check on Daniel and the other guy. T and Zukov continue to have a face off about this. <laughs> what a predicament. Zukov's like, it's making sense now. If you were the gold, you might not want to leave until you found the eye of Tiamat. And Jack's like, and if you were with a gold and you were stuck in here for 2,000 years, maybe you'd want to leave right now, too. They're at an impasse. They're just going to sit there with their guns at each other. Yep. Seems like a great way to pass Indeed. the time. Yeah. They've got five days to sit there and hold their guns at each other before they die of not having water. Right. <laughs> Dehydration. <laughs> Well, they, they would, would die, die after of... five days because they have five days of yeah, water. But... Five days plus a couple. Yeah. <laughs> In a different random hallway, we see a person walking around. We don't see who it is just yet, but they push a button and there's a recessed little cubby in the wall that's full of sparkle bling and stuff. The camera zooms out a little bit and we see that it's Major Valoran. Oh. So there went my theory that it might actually be tall enough because <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> That would have been too many layers for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> this part cracked me up because back in the sarcophagus room, Sam and Teal'c come back and Daniel's like, hey, I finished translating. And then he turns and sees that Sam and Teal'c have their guns pulled on him and he just made the weirdest noise. What? <laughs> and then it's like, hey, hey what's, what's up? up? <laughs> just bizarre. <laughs> Just, I can't even explain the noise he made. It was just very weird. I will surely be putting it into this episode. (laughs) Tilk says, though, that he does not sense the presence of a ghoul in Daniel, so they just go on talking like nothing happened (laughs) about what he's been doing here. He translated a section of text that says that Marduk used to emerge from his temple and appear amongst his people, riding a beam of white light. They figure that that's a ring transporter. So maybe they can use that to get out of here. That'd be great. Good news. Yeah. Meanwhile, hagfish-laden Valorant (laughs) comes upon Jack and Zukov, who are still having their standoff. Hagleran? Hagleran. (laughs) That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, what's up, guys? 
<laughs> Zhukov's like, O'Neill might be a ghoul. Jack's like, don't be an idiot. It could be him, too. And Velerin just gives it away. He's like, yes, you're right. Very, very <laughs> true, Colonel. Or, very, very true, there we Colonel. Go. Go- yeah. Very true, Cookie. Colonel. Cookie. <laughs> yes, exactly. Cookie. I haven't done hagfish voice in a while. Right? It's been a while, and my voice is already struggling yeah. a little today since, like I yeah. said, I came here straight from work to do this. Yeah, the first, my first attempt came out very tilk, just like deeper. But <laughs> no, we need to get that, like. Very true, Colonel. Cookie monster. <laughs> Cookie. 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 Yeah. No, I want some cookies. Mm. I did have some apple pie right before nice. uh, this recording. I did take a minute to eat some of that and thought about you because you would have hated it. True. And it was delicious. My brother bought me a Snickers, so I have that to look oh. forward to. Nice. Haglaren. <laughs> Sparkle blings Jack. Zukov tries to shoot him, but Marduk Haglaren. I'm tr- Marlaren. Valduk. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. many options. It, there are so many options. Anyway, the the hagfish puts up the personal shield. Marduklerin. Marduklerin. Marduklerin is interested in the IFTM mat. And Zuko's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Marduklin is like, I remember what my dumb human host remembers, and you guys were on a secret mission to find this alien technology without telling the humans. Ha ha ha. Zukov's like, what? No. Me? No. But Marduklin's not buying it. I didn't understand why he didn't just sparkle bling him to take it. I don't know. But he didn't. I don't know. Yeah, made no sense. I mean, I guess he didn't actually know he had it, but he could have sparkle blinked him and searched him. like Right, exactly. Exactly. Because he said that he knew that Zukov was lying. So, okay, yeah. why not sparkle bling him? Weird. In any case, back in the main chamber, Daniel has figured out where the rings are. So that's cool. Sweet. Sam wants to go and tell Jack, but Daniel says that they can't do that until they're 100% sure that he's not currently a gold. <laughs> Valid concern. Yeah. Sam asks Tilk what he's doing, and he's apparently looking around for the way to actually engage the rings, and he touches something. Today, he's the one that's touching stuff, and finds a secret compartment full of isolinear chips. (laughs) Those are the controls. Back in the other room with Marduklerin and the others, Zukov and Jack, he picks up the gun and says that it's a very... Interesting weapon, capable of inflicting severe pain and death. That's fun. Yeah. This the the actor that played this guy was a little bit strange looking, and then the fact that he was lit from underneath yeah. throughout the scene just made him look that much more strange. And also, he had didn't seem to have any eyebrows, which also contributed to yeah the weird appearance. And then he was yeah. like had his eyes like extra wide open. Yeah. So he was also making a weird expression. It was weird. Just weird. He does get Zukov to admit that he has the eye. Again, I don't understand why he didn't just sparkle bling him or even shoot him to figure that out, but he doesn't. Marduklerin says that if Zukov gives it to him, that he will spare him. Zukov goes ahead to give it to him because he doesn't want anyone else to get hurt. He's not just doing it for himself, but for everybody else there, including Jack. He tosses something to Marduklerin, but uh uh-oh, it turns out it is not the eye. (laughs) 
It is, in fact, a grenade. <laughs> and it explodes. I didn't understand why it wasn't a bigger explosion because... Like, I don't know why Jack and Zukov wouldn't have been hurt. There should have been so much shrapnel and they were so close to him that they should have also been very injured, but they were not. <laughs> they were fine. Mardukleran, not so great. No. Zukov and Jack, who were just a couple feet away, totally yeah. fine. That explosion did not just affect the room that Jack and Zukov were in. The entire ziggurat is coming down on them all, which... Daniel notices. <laughs> Hard not to. Yeah. <laughs> Sam radios Jack, who reports that he's okay. And the hagfish scare is over, but only because Jack said he was not the hagfish. But Sam doesn't know that. Anyway, yeah. she lets him know they've got a ring out of there, which is going to take them to another temple a few miles away. Cool. There's more temples. Oh, I guess we didn't mention that Zukov actually did die in that oh, last scene. Oh, yes. He didn't I'm get, sorry. like, full of shrapnel, but the ceiling collapsed Yes, on him. I'm sorry. Yes, Zukov so, died. Still, yeah, still weird to me that he didn't get hit by any shrapnel, yeah. but I guess the ceiling fell yeah. on him. So Zukov died rescuing, I guess, or protecting the rest of SG-1. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. none of his team Except is Except for the lady. The lady still Yeah, she's stands well alone. Although, no, she does survive. I forgot. No, she survives. Jack's going to make his way back to them so they can ring the hell out of there. Back there where the rings are, Jack comes in. Tilk comes up behind him and says that he doesn't sense a presence, scaring the crap out of Jack, <laughs> who didn't realize that Tilk was behind him. I'm glad he double-checked. <laughs> I appreciate Tilk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. I liked it. <laughs> Jack wants to know how Talonov's doing. Daniel does say that she'll be okay as long as they get her out of there soon. Okay, MD Daniel. Right? Yeah. Well, you know, he's a midwiff. That's so. true. He's got some medical training, at least. <laughs> Daniel asks where Zukov is. Jack says he didn't make it, so it's time to get out of here. They head over to the rings. And in a quick cut scene, we see a hand coming up out of a pile of stones. And then as the team is getting ready to go, Marduklerin busts in and calls Jack's name and says he's going to have his revenge. On who? <laughs> he doesn't specify. No. I'm guessing Jack. All humans everywhere. <laughs> we're, all, we're all humans everywhere. One or the other. I mean, Jack's not the one who brought this thing down on him. That was all Zukov. True. Yeah. He didn't even, he's not even the one that threw the grenade. Oh. So I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Jack's like, you know, you guys always say that. <laughs> Sam pushes some buttons. And then we see there's a big pile of C4, both the American kind and the Russian kind. <laughs> I very much appreciated that they clearly took all of the explosives that all of them had and just left them in a big pile. <laughs> and that the button that Sam had just pushed had activated it. <laughs> so there's a 10 second countdown. They ring the hell out of there, and then there's a huge explosion, and I love explosions. <laughs> we don't see how they schlep their way back from this second location to the gate, <laughs> because next we see the team. They are already back and being debriefed. Telenov is fine. In addition to SG-1 and Hammond and Telenov, there is another Russian 
military man there who I don't think he gets a name in this, although I think he appears yeah. in multiple episodes, so we might get his name at some point. Yeah, well, I thought that he was the guy that they mentioned before, maybe not. Because I, I know is, we've seen him in the other yeah. episodes. I thought he was the guy whose name they actually mentioned before, who I'm already forgetting. Possibly. Now that I have my notes in front of me. <laughs> this guy double-checked everybody's story with Talanov, and he's going to triple check her story when they get back to Russia where she can speak more freely than amongst the US military which fair Jack's like oh I'm sure you'll be able to get her to say whatever you want because Jack is not done being snarky about the Russians no he's not Jack's mad because Zhukov's secret orders put them all in jeopardy the Russian man points out that every member of your team survived, but only one of my people made it back. So. <laughs> Jack's like, well, if you understood chain of command, but no, Jack, you're just being an ass. Or if they understood the concept of being a main character. Yes, yes. Should have thought about that before. Basically, this colonel is putting the blame on Jack for what happened because he was in command. Was he, though? Yeah, I like this is all just <laughs> more them back and forth being snarky at each other. Yeah. Hammond offers his condolences. That always makes things better. It sure does. If there's one thing I've learned with all of the death and terrible things happening in the news, it's that when something awful happens, condolences always makes it better. Thoughts and prayers, baby. Thoughts and prayers. Yep. Fix everything. Yep. Thoughts and prayers that we didn't find the eye of Tiamat either. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> For some reason, this dude to me looked like he kind of wanted to cry at this point, which I don't know why <laughs> I got that, but like his expression just felt very sad to me. Weird. I did not yeah. get that. Anyway, Hammond's like, mistakes on all sides. Jack's like, you guys fucked up. You should admit it. The Russian dude's like, yeah, sure. Thanks. Definitely pass that along. Cool. I'm sure this will have no bearing on our future participation, he says. Jack's like, I wouldn't count on future participation if I were you. Jack, come on, man. You have a lot of leeway and a lot of, like, pull in this, but sometimes the higher-ups... Yeah. You don't have that much say. Yeah. <laughs> You might be able to boss Hammond around, but the people who boss Hammond around <laughs> above you get yeah. priority. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, this Russian man whose name we don't know is also skeptical about their not having future involvement. And that's yeah. how it ends. Yeah. Kathy, did you like the episode? I did. I thought it was a really suspenseful episode. Jack was a giant ass, but in kind of an enjoyable way. And Daniel was also being weird, but it was enjoyable. So, like, yep. everybody was fun. And then on top of that, it was real creepy and suspenseful, which I also enjoyed. I thought it was a very engaging yep. episode. How about you? Yeah, I, I did actually finally like an episode. Woo! So we've we've broken my streak of three in a row that I hated. I like this a lot. Uh, like you said, it was creepy. I like a good monster of the week type episode. So this yeah. de was definitely one of those. It was exciting and fun. There was a lot of funny parts, I thought, too. So I appreciated that. Yeah. 
a lot of characters just like really being the epitome of their character like jack being his most jack <laughs> and daniel being his most daniel that's a good way of putting it for sure <laughs> i was very entertained by that got a good explosion there at the end so can't complain about that fantastic yeah is that everything i have to say i think that's everything i have to say i liked it it was a fun yeah. episode agreed yeah yeah what's next next is stargate oh i hey. know but wait <laughs> stargate oh. sg1 no way I know. Love that show. Usually. (laughs) Stargate SG-1 Season Uh 5, Episode (gasps) 9, Between Two Fires. (laughs) Just put this in the rest of the fire. (laughs) The Netflix says, SG-1 travels to the planet Talana to attend the funeral of their old acquaintance, Omak. Goodbye, Omak. Yeah. Should I say RSVP OMAC? Is that uh, <laughs> sure, too go much? For it. Uh... <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> the booklet says the SG-1 team is surprised to discover that the advanced Tolans have reversed their policy on sharing technology and are now willing to trade advanced weaponry with Earth. But the deal seems too good to be true when SG-1 <laughs> learns of the gold involvement. Uh, give away that game, why don't you? Right? That all sounds suspicious. Yeah, I for sure remember 90% of this episode. No, oh, I don't. Ah. So, at least one of us yeah. does. Excellent. It sounds interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's not one of those descriptions where I'm automatically like, oh, it sounds <laughs> terrible. Like several of the last ones. <laughs> sounds good. As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, make sure that you subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Wednesday. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us at stargeatzing at gmail.com. You can find us on our website, which is stargeatzing.space, and send us messages through there. And if you're feeling generous, we very much appreciate the support of our Patreon people. And our Patreon page is patreon.com slash stargeatzing. Let me see how many more times I can see Patreon in just one little brief span of words. Patreon. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. Patreon. (laughs) And you've been listening to Stargeatzing. Patreon. (laughs) The end. The end. Patreon. <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> oh, good times. I didn't actually mean to say it. <laughs> just, my brain is like. My brain's like, this is a fun word. Let's just say it a bunch of times. <laughs> Give us money. Also that. That's great. <laughs>